Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, there's one great word for grace. Amazing. Amen. It's absolutely still amazing. We greet you tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's wonderful to be saved in this troublesome time that we're living in. It feels so good to be in your right mind when the majority of the world's crazy. Didn't it? I mean, everybody that's in the world that we're in, they're all looking for something, and they're all trying to satisfy something. They don't worry what it, what it is. They try this, they try that, they try something else. I'm so glad we've found the satisfying portion, that part which will never, never leave us in the time of trouble and difficulty. Let's read tonight, if you would, in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. We'll read verses 1 through verses 3. I know we've been reading this for um, several times, but I think it's so fitting for the hour <clears throat> that we're living in. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come an apostasia, an apostasia, which is where we get our English word apostasy, or a falling away. You can never fall away from something that you were never a part of. So a falling away can only happen to people who have been a part of something, and then something pulls them away, and they fall away from it. Except to come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. How many like to be remembered tonight as we pray? Let's just bow our heads together if you would. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we are so grateful tonight for the opportunity that you've given us once again on Wednesday when we can be able to come together. Lord, it just, I know I've mentioned it several times in the last month or so, but it just so makes my heart be elated with your presence and joy that we're able to come back to church. Lord, since I know of different saints that still have not been able to be in church for over a year, Lord, just hearing from a part of South Africa this week, and they were able to finally get back together, some of them there, and different ones in India, and different places in Canada that still cannot meet together. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that we can have church. I thank you that we can be together. We are grateful for streaming. And I realize that many of the saints, it's the only church that they have because of where they live and there's nothing around them. Uh, and they, they stream. And I'm grateful for that, for those. But Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful that we're able to assemble ourselves together once again. I pray, Lord, that you'd be mindful of us tonight. I realize every servant of God that has stood for over 2,000 years now and been preaching the gospel, preaching the latter days of grace. No doubt every God-called man felt that awesome responsibility and call upon his heart. And yet, Lord, not knowing exactly when the hour would be, I heard Brother Bram say it yesterday that if Paul would have told the church or John, well, church, you know what? 
We might as well just eat, drink, and be merry because he ain't going to come for another 2,000 years. He said they would have become so cold and so loose. So you kept that suspense before every church age. And he said, whenever Luther raises from the dead, it'll, he'll be just as fresh as he was because he died fresh. He died under that anticipation. When Paul raises, he will raise just as fresh because that's the way that he died. So, Lord, we're thankful that we can be a part of that. We believe, too, the way they did, that it's in our generation. But yet, what if it goes on for another 10 years, another 50, another 100? Lord, if I go by the way of the grave and I'm resurrected, I will raise just as fresh as I was when I was here. But, Father, in our hearts, we honestly don't see how it could go much farther. But we pray that you'd reach your children, bring us to spiritual growth and maturity, and help us then once we are there to maintain what we have. Speak to us tonight from your word. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. So love you tonight. Appreciate you. <clears throat> Let me read to you a quote that we closed out with last Wednesday night. And this gives us a very good idea of the spirit of the last days, of how that many, many people will want to be. I hate to say it, but it's the way some of the folks around the message will be as well. And he said, you want some preacher, you women, that'll not condemn you for the way you dress and live, somebody that'll pat you people on the back and tell you that you can do this and that and the other, and you can act like the world and live like the world and still maintain your confession of Christ. You're wanting those things, you vote it, you'll vote a godly man out of your community to get a man like that in there. It's the desire. It's the spirit of the nation. It's the spirit of the last days. You want to confess and hold your confession. I'm this, I'm Pentecostal, I'm Methodist, I'm Baptist, and still hold to that and live any way you want to. Now, may I bring it from religion up to America, that many, want, many people want to say they're Americans, but in all reality, we have a generation of people who claim they are Americans that are against our American values. They are against the things that many, many men and women have given their lives for in the different parts of the world, and their bodies have been sown there, many, many of them, hundreds and thousands of them that never got to come home. That if they would be able to look at our nation today and our politicians and our people in great high places and what they are allowed to do and what they are allowed to say and say that this is America, I wonder if they'd wonder if they should have given their life for this nation or not. But you see, it's prophesied that it would be this way, that it would come to where that the nation, as far as the world, even the world itself, would go to where the values would be interchanged and people would no longer know what was right or what is wrong. It used to be that everything, as we would say, is black and white, but anymore, you know, folks have a hard time trying to define what is right and what is wrong. And if you do define it, more than likely, you will get in trouble. So therefore, a lot of people are not going to say what's right and wrong. Even if they know what's right and wrong, it's just easier to say, well, we just love everybody and everything goes and everything is what it is and everybody's going to heaven. I beg to differ with you, but they're not. That's right. 
Now, we know that it will be more ongoing as it multiplies and the spirit of the last days comes into its head and it goes into the final crescendo of the last day that people will confess, I'm Pentecostal, I'm Baptist, I'm Methodist, I'm Message, I'm American, I'm this, that, or the other. But yet their confession will not match what they're saying and what they're doing by their life. You know, Satan is an amazing being. Uh, He learned many, many years ago that one of his most successful devices is compromise. If he can be able to get the people to compromise on what they believe and the standard that God has given to them, now listen to me carefully, if he can delude God's people that they will compromise on their privileged position of separation, then he knows he will force the hand of God to deal with his own children in reprimand and also correction. Now I want you to think that we're talking about a being that knows the laws of God so well that he cannot make God do anything. And he cannot actually make us do anything unless we allow him to. But he has learned enough about the law and the principles of God to know that if he will make the people do what God dislikes, then that forces the hand of God to bring reprimand, to bring correction, even to pull back his spirit from those people that he loves so much. Now he learned this in the Garden of Eden. He cannot make God do it. He cannot actually make the people do it. But if he can make the people they believe they are doing it for better understanding, or they're doing it because it's a new light on an old familiar subject. And now we have a greater understanding of holiness. And we have a greater understanding of all of these things. And we really don't have to preach that way no more. You are headed for destruction. That's right. Now, whether or not you understand it now, hopefully when I get done, you will, that it is a very great honored privilege to be called by God into a state of separation. Now, whenever we were in the world, we understood a little bit about separation because there's always been separation even among worldly people. But it would be more because of this certain type of people they like to ride on motorcycles. And other people wouldn't give you $5 for a Harley Davidson or any other kind of motorcycle that you could get them because that's just not who they are. And there's always been separation in what people like to do and what what they enjoy doing. But I ain't talking about that kind of separation. I'm talking about the privileged separation that God gives to his own. Now, it is very misunderstood. It is even misunderstood by some in our own ranks, I believe. And they are separated simply because of tradition. They don't cut their hair, the women, they don't wear pants, they don't do this and that and the other. But many of them, as soon as they hit the age where they're old enough and they get out from under mom and daddy's teaching, well, the first thing they do is start dressing like the world, acting like the world. Why? Because it was never a revelation to them in the first place. They look at it as a restraint. 
They look at it as something that's being held from them and they do not look at it as a great privilege in the eyes of God to be a separated people. Now, because God is a holy God, God requires that the privilege of the elect will be administered through the channel of separation. Now, not that we separate ourselves and make ourselves odd, but we simply obey what God said, and that will make us odd enough, believe me. But it is a great privilege to be on the side of the separated. But Satan tries to convince the separated that they are being robbed or that they're living underneath a privilege of some sort, just like he did Eve in the Garden of Eden. You see, Eve was separated from an understanding of what sin actually was. So God first separated his first man, placed him upon the earth, separated him from the spirit being of Logos, and put him in a human body. So here the separation began. Then God made the woman's body, of course, out of the rib, out of the man's body, so God is continuing to separate. But before God ever made the man, we see the gospel in the creation in that God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light good, but if you notice, he didn't call the darkness good. But he called the darkness night. So God wrote the gospel before he ever made the Garden of Eden. And that was that he separated light from dark and put a differentiation between the two and called light good and the darkness he called night. Now in that God was showing that greater dispensations down through time would reveal this same separation. I hope you understand it. That light and darkness are still being separated. But Satan will do his best to try to take away the privilege from the people of God to where they will think somehow, you know, that well, we need to compromise a little bit on the message and we need to quit preaching a lot of things. Brother Donnie, if you'd quit reading from Brother Branham's quotes and, and if you'd quit saying this and that and the other, my, no telling how many people we could have on this hill. And I ask you, what kind of people would we have on this hill? What kind of people would we have? We would have a bunch that would bring their young people in here and many of them would not want to live right. And they not only would want to not live right themselves, but they would want to defile our young people and pull them into the same muck of sin that they're walking in themselves. I'd rather have a less crowd, my friend, and have the presence of God than I would a bunch of compromisers where you can't even preach the truth. You see, if, if Satan can get us as the people of God into abandoning our privileged position of separation, then what happens is we begin to lose part of our dominion and our fellowship in the presence of God. You see, people, I think, don't understand sometimes that a saved person in the presence of God, just saved, not filled with the Holy Ghost, but a saved person that walks in the presence of God and they do become saved, they hear a message about the gospel of the grace of God and they get repentance of their sins, but they're never able to move to a very intimate spot with God as long as they're not sanctified. Because God calls for his people to come out from among the world and touch not the evil wicked thing and I will receive you. Notice after this order of divine sanctification is when Father says, I will receive you and you will be my sons and daughters. 
But sonship, this type of intimate walk with God, is not promised to those that are living in a justified state. And just to be honest with you, those who live just in a sanctified state alone will never be able to go into that intimate court to where the presence of God will walk with them either. But notice if God can allow us to walk into that separate state and then keep us in that place, then Satan can have no right to ever come and defile our communion with God. But if he can try to merge the darkness and the light together and convince us somehow that it is acceptable to merge this and this and whatever you'd want to name, and it's, it's, it's okay now. You know, we're living in a different era now than when Brother Branham was here. When Brother Branham preached, it was the 50s and the 60s, and now, of course, we're, we're up here in the 21st century, so we're in a different time, so we, we don't need to preach a lot of the things that Brother Branham preached years ago, that we need to kind of water it down a little bit, says who? As far as I know, I was voted in to be the pastor. Unless y'all have had an election, I reckon that vote still stands. So as long as I'm voted in to be pastor, and what I'm gonna preach? What God vindicated in that prophet's message. I don't want no watered down 2021 version that lets us do whatever we wanna do and still say, well, we follow the prophet. So we're just like the quote that I read, that we're message followers, we're Malachi for people, and we look, act, talk, and behave just like them out yonder. We are no longer Malachi for people. Now, watch this in Luke 17, 26, as the Lord Jesus brings back to our memory through the power of reminiscing of what it was in the first major destruction of the world, and that was in the days of Noah. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Now, what Jesus does not do is give us the identity of who fulfill this verse. Now in verse 27 is a conglomeration of several different categories of people. There are the people, we are told by Josephus and other historians, that the real people of God had moved up to the mountain of God and they were living up there in the presence of God. But those who wanted the world and the things of the world, they started descending down the mountain, moving farther and farther and farther away from the declaration of God. So it left those that were chosen in this separated spot. So everybody knew who went to Noah's church. And you couldn't believe be a secret believer in Noah's day and everybody know who you was because you had hammer tracks and you had a slot where you packed your hammer and you had a brush where you packed your pitch and you, you had splinters in your hands where you packed the shatim wood. So, you know, everybody knew where you went to church. Everybody knew who you were. There wasn't no streamers back there. You was a secret streamer. Well, praise the Lord. What has God always done? God has always had his people on a display so the rest of the world would look at him and know they were different. Now, you see, it's being different that the world hates. Now, as different as they are, with her purple and green hair, people are marrying cars, marrying pizzas, marrying their house, marrying a horse, and they look at us because we teach our boys Boys, they should marry girls and we teach our girls that they should marry boys. And they look at us like we're from some other planet. Well, not exactly another planet, but another dimension for sure. 
Why? Because we are the strange ones. Well, it's not been that long ago that they were the strange ones. But what's happened? The spirit of Sodom has been released around the world after the Son of Man come and revealed himself. Think about it, friends. After the ministry of the Son of Man, think about it historically and politically. Don't you understand why sodomites, transgender, all this stuff would have to break loose in this generation after the Son of Man had come to the earth and made known the sign of the end time? What broke loose? All of Sodom. Well, praise the Lord. Now, in verse 27, we have those that moved down the hill, and we have those that was never up on the hill, and we have those that were on the hill that those off the hill were trying to pull the ones on the hill off the hill. That's you, in case you don't know it. You're on the hill. So those that have left the hill are trying to pull you away. And the sad part about it is many of those that descended from the hill were the sons of Seth. You see, Noah was preaching to his own family. Actually, it was not the unbelievers that brought the Andalusian destruction, but the prophet tells us it was the sons of Seth. It was the sons of Seth, sons of God, that saw the daughters of men. God never condemned the sons of men marrying the daughters of men. God condemned the sons of God marrying the daughters of men. It's normal for a hog to be with a hog. It's normal for a dog to be with a dog. But it ain't normal for a human to be with a dog. You understand what I'm saying? Now, notice this in verse 28. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot, thus shall it be in the days when the Son of Man is being revealed. Listen to this in question and answers. In the Andalusian world in the destruction, when millions times millions and billions of people was upon the earth. And God sent an old holiness preacher out by the name of Noah. And he preached 120 years and told them to come into the ark. All that didn't come into the ark could be destroyed. And God Almighty, who had the controls of the heavens, sent down the rains that utterly destroyed millions of old people, of young people, of little babies, scrambling and perishing in the water. And whose fault was it those babies died? Their parents. Their parents. Whose fault is it in Laodicea that many of the children out here are doing what they're doing? Their parents. Because their parents don't want to sit under a preacher that tells the truth. So they lead their children to another church and damning their own children to hell. That's right. Watch this in God and simplicity. At the end of the Andalusian world, what happened? They were all lost. They were religious too, certainly they were, but you see, God sent Noah 
caught the humble, the simple, and taken them up. God help me to be humble and simple and stay that way. God sent Noah, caught the humble, the simple, and taken them up, and Cain's children was destroyed. Now listen to this next one, friends. It is absolutely amazing to me. And Noah, no matter how much they said the old man was off in his mind, that he was scientifically wrong and mentally he was wrong, but to Noah, it was the word of the Lord. So let's be real fundamental then. And let's go up and ask Brother Noah to show us a scripture. We want to see it wrote in the Bible where God told him to build an ark. Because we're a word people are so we say. And we're fundamental. That's the way you know people like to do our prophet in this day. They want to treat Brother Branham like he's just another commentator. I don't think they understand what a prophet is. You see, a prophet is a divine interpreter of the written word. And if God has anything else to say, he'll say it to that prophet while he's here. Praise the Lord. You imagine going up to Noah and saying, Noah, I want a verse of scripture. He was the scripture. A prophet of God brings the word that is written in his own life. I wish somebody would say amen, wouldn't it? Now notice what happened. To Noah, it was the word of the Lord, and Noah stayed with it. Listen to this, friends. And the wise and prudent stumbled over the simplicity of it and lost their being. May God help us as a church. May God help you as an individual. May God help you all as a family. Never to stumble over the simplicity of this message and lose your being. You see, it's always been that God will choose a man and send him with a message. As that goes on and the man himself is taken off the scene, then times will go on and of course they'll polish the mausoleum or the great tomb that that man was in and make a great memorial and honor to his great name and this and that and the other. And then you'll get a more educated bunch of people in there. Look how it was with Luther. Look, can you imagine John Wesley coming and trying to preach in the Methodist churches today? We've got a few Wesleyan churches around here. I wonder if John and Charles would be welcome to come in and hold about a six-week revival. They probably wouldn't make it 15 minutes because they preach on sanctification, they'd throw them out. I wonder if Luther would be welcome to go into the Lutheran church and whenever he found out that they just had the Catholic priest over, I wonder what Luther would say. You heathen, get out of here. You don't belong in my move. Well, praise the Lord. Well, friend, I know you don't want to hear it, but the message of the hour is headed straight for that same cycle. As we go on in time, there'll be more educated preachers, there'll be smarter preachers, and they'll think they know more about it than the God called, God sent, God vindicated prophet that God used. And they'll think they know so much about the Bible, and they'll know so much more about the Bible than God's prophet that he sent to interpret the Bible. I think we got a bunch of morons in the pulpit that should sit down until they learn what a prophet really is. 
A prophet's word is not to be tampered with. A prophet's word, oh, somebody going to preach with me tonight? A prophet's word, you know, realize God took this man's message, Noah. He did not preach 1,100 sermons. He did not have tapes. As far as we know, Noah had no divine vindication. So if you're just walking up to Noah and said, all right, Noah, you claim you're a prophet. I want you I want to see you discern somebody. I want you to call somebody out and tell me their name. We have no scripture in the Bible Bible that says Noah had signs, wonders, miracles, supernatural. Noah had one thing, unwritten word. But the whole oh my, the saints of God of that day believed that what that man had to say was thus saith the Lord. He was a farmer. He didn't have no great objective in life, no great motive in life to become anything. Just out there farming around, hoeing his maters and taters. And one day God called to him and said, I want you to build a boat. He said, why me, Lord, who I? My house ain't even plumb. My house ain't even square. My wife complaining all the times about them windows I put in because they're not even level. But God said, I've called you to build an ark. Oh, Lord, what's an ark? I've never seen one before. I'll show you the pattern. I'll give you the revelation. Lord, they won't believe me, but you build it anyhow. But Lord, they won't follow me. You build it anyhow. Oh my, the prophet said, what a rebuke. Now it is to that generation. And many people say, if I would have lived back there, no, you would have took the same attitude because today in the very same attitude, oh my, the same thing being reproduced again only in another form. Now whatever side you're on tonight is exactly the side you've been on the days of Noah. which meant I've been on Noah's side. If I lived in the days of Luther, I'd been one of them about hammering that Reformation. I'd have blasted that Catholic church just like I do now. Praise the Lord, if I'd been in the days of West, I'd been out there shouting under sanctification. If I was under Pentecost, which I was part of that move, I shouted, I jumped, I spoke in tongues, I'd done all of that, and now I'm under another dispensation, hallelujah, and I've been burst by that word, which is the word that caught my soul, and what am I doing? You think I still be Pentecost with all my heart, and then I'll back down on this? No way, friend. If I stood for everything I knew back under, how much more am I gonna stand now? But Brother Don, it'll cost you your life, so be it. If that be the will of God, so be it. Why? Because I'm going to be bound, found faithful. My life is bound to this word. Oh my. Notice what God said in Genesis 6, 3. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. It's only by the influence of the Spirit of God that can break the carnal hold that every one of us are born under. So here are the sons of Seth, which were a godly seed in the sense of natural seed, but yet they were still longing for the world, hungering for the world. You see, that's the only thing that can make a person really turn to God. God delights in mercy. God loves mercy. God loves for people to repent. God loves to forgive them. God went after Cain, which was a mongrel. 
part animal, part man. And God said, Cain, you know, you went running after Cain. Cain, just, just do like your brother. I know I didn't reveal it to you. And I know you're not really a bride, but just keep going to that message church and doing everything you know to do. I'll make a way for you. He said, I'll not do it. I'll not do it. I'm leaving. And not only that, I'll kill him when I leave. Go ahead, you Canaanites that's left the message. You see, the earth was ripe for destruction when God said this. But God gave 120 years of mercy. God could have justly destroyed the earth right then. Oh my, but how merciful and slow to wrath and loving. So what was Satan's plan to defeat the Seth line? It was to cause the light to merge and mix with the darkness and cause them sons of God to mix up the seed line. Oh, that's what he wanted. To entice the sons of God, to mix their blood with the ungodly daughters of Cain. Is that right? God wanted them to separate. Satan wanted them to merge. So they took sides with the devil. Notice in Genesis 6, 4, and there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, they bare children to them. The same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Now notice this is the Hebrew word nephal, and it is the word giants, of course, he fell. The word nephah means he fell. So the offspring of the sons of God mixing with the daughters of men, the offspring, what was their title then? He fell. He fell. Look what it means. Those who had apostatized or fallen from the true religion, the fallen earth-born men with the animal and devilish mind. Giants. Now, not only because they were large in stature, and they were, but also because of their great strengths and their force. Now, they were a hybridized, of course, and these men began to tyrannize the rest of the world. Remember, the Bible says there was great violence on the earth. Violence, protests in Seattle and Portland. Violence in the earth. And our government doesn't even try to stop it. Come on now, saints. But yet, I wonder what they'd done to us if we'd told everybody just come right on to church while COVID was going on and nobody wore masks and we'd done nothing. You know what they'd done? Arrested me. That's exactly why. Well, we weren't doing what they said. Oh, breaking out window lights, that's doing what the law said. Burning people's cars, killing cops, all that sort of thing. That's, that's doing exactly what the law said. Of course not. But what is it? It is the spirit of the last days. Young people, I'm warning you, the spirit of tyranny will try to get on you and your home. It'll try to make you rebel against the godly teaching of your mother and father. And against the teaching of your pastor and, and Brother Wes and these others that love you. And we're not trying to keep you from good things. We're trying to keep you from evil things that will take you to hell. 
But you see, it is, as it was then, a tyranny, and it will be a persecution as it was. But notice this, and there were giants in the earth in those days. So when the sons of God came together with the daughters of men, it barren to them these giants. Now, they were also called the men of the name. The same became mighty men or men of renown, and the word renown is Geburum. It is the word that is used, one of the great names, the redemptive names of God, and that is El Gabor, or the mighty one. So it comes from this Hebrew word, Geburum. So these men became mighty men. They were strong physically, but they were also strong in their minds. So it's Gabar is the, the Hebrew word there, and it means he prevailed or victorious, and the Hebrew paraphrase of it is Aishi Hashim. Aishi Hashim. Aishi Hashim, which means men of the name. So they were identified by large stature, but they were also identified that they had made a name for themselves. So they were celebrities. They were the famous. They were the people that had a name for themselves. And their name was because they were so mean and because they had such tyranny on the peace-loving people. Now, no doubt there were people there that was not like this. And the name also means twice named. So they were named when they were born, and then they were named again when they began to resonate this rebellious character of what they were. And what were they known by? Not that they were peacemakers, not that they loved everybody and they cared for everybody, but they were tyrants and they wanted their way. And if you got in their way, they pushed you out of the way. Isn't it amazing how our so-called democracy wants equality for everybody? Everybody except you. Oh, we want everybody to have, you know, the right to free speech and all of this and that and other. Really? Surely you don't believe that. Surely you got better sense than to believe that they want conservatives and people that still want to hold to some real principles. They want them to have their right to say this and that and the other. Come on now, friends, wake up. What were they known for? Tyranny and oppression. And look at the different conservatives in the last months that's been taken off of Twitter and Facebook and this and that and the other. Even some of the message people I've been told that have reproduced or put different videos and things out and they would not allow them to be able to go. Why? Oh, it's because they love you and because they want you to have the right to speak. Come on now. Don't you believe that? It's tyranny again. It's oppression. So what do they have? They have an agenda. Even one of the judges had wrote just this past week that it was becoming a very fearful thing, a federal judge, because the media and television and radio and so much of it is all going in one direction. And that is not the direction of what is right before God. I ain't talking about right politically. I'm talking about right before God. What is it? Oppression. What is it? Tyranny. Oh, my. Oh, God, help us. Men of renown. So they were known because of their size and their strengths and their wickedness. Lord God, let me be known for my humility, my ability to pray, my ability to stand for the truth. Notice this in Matthew 24, 37. 
Jesus says it this way as it was. The days of Noah were, so shall it also be in the coming of the Son of Man be. Boy, as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So also, mama, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. You see, it seems that Satan let the move of God through the sons of Seth. He let them alone for quite some time. And he let them grow and become bigger and bigger. And he, oh, he, no doubt he would kind of punch at them every now and then and just do a little few things here and there. But he let them become established and become a great move. Now listen and you'll learn a very great spiritual principle that he let the move of God grow and get bigger and bigger and gain more followers and more strength and more number and so on. And then when he let it get up so big, then he wanted to take that big move. Can't you see why he would do it? If he would have hit it when it was this size, it would have only caused so much apostasy. But if you let it grow and grow and grow and get bigger and bigger, and then you use something this big instead of using something that big. Don't marvel, my friends, that the message of the hour had to grow and grow and get bigger and bigger. It must get bigger, oh my, than even it was when Brother Branham was here. Think about it. Brother Branham preached in the Branham Tabernacle. He preached out in Arizona. He preached in maybe a handful of places when Whenever he was here, that was called message churches. There were no message churches. Why, Brother Darrell is preaching many more churches around the world. I have too. Other brothers have traveled in different places and preached in many more message churches than Brother Branham was ever allowed to preach into. And some of those same men who helped establish those message churches are now saying Brother Branham was a false prophet. Well, don't you see what happened? The move around it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and some of them sons of Seth turned their eyes toward the daughter denominationals of the world and they married unto them and some of them now letting them cut their hair and go right back to Trinitarian baptism. Don't you see? They're marrying Cain's daughters. And they're falling away and they will bring the damnation upon themselves. Oh my. So what did he want to do? He wanted to take over the move of God by what the New Testament calls the way of Cain. Now he's done the same thing and never moved whenever God would send forth something and then Satan would come right back in behind it. Remember Satan is not the originator, is not the missionary. Notice this in Christ the mystery. Men of God who has sent forth to establish truths in the earth before that truth could go on and proclamate and get on to the real revelation of Christ, fallen angels come in and took it over and made denominations out of it. Lord Jesus. Fallen angels come into Luther's message. Fallen angels into Wesley. I'm coming home. Fallen angels come into Pentecost. Fallen angels have come around the message of the hour. That's why they pulled off their Perugia, their seven thunder, their two soul, their tape only, their this, that, the other. Ain't nothing but the repeat of the same thing. Fallen angels have, oh my, have come and anointed men of influence in our message. What are they? Men of renown. 
great men that have a name. Oh, I was with Brother Branham. I hunted with him. I fished with him. I'm his nephew. I'm his boy. I'm this or that or the other. Men of renown, twice named. I'm in the message and also the prophet ordained me to preach. Oh, the prophet called my name. So they've been twice named. Well, hallelujah, I wish somebody would hear me. And what's it done? It, before it could go on and proclamate and reach the earth in its purest form, fallen angels come in. Remember the devil talk about it from time to time, even with some of the young preachers that are coming up around the message. Their desire is not really about the bride, it's about them. It's about how many they can preach to and how many people can know their name and how many people, oh, and if they're gonna go, they wanna go up there and they want the biggest crowd to preach to or they ain't gonna preach. They don't need to preach in the first place. Well, come on. I wonder sometimes, friends, I wonder sometimes what's it gonna be when the old men, me and him, <laughs> and Brother Tim, and you know, I mean, if I think of it, we've now become the elders in this message. That's scary. What's it gonna be if something happens to me in a few years? What's it gonna be to, to this church? What will it be to Brother Tim Pruitt's church and other churches around as a younger generation come up if they don't get the grip on the message in the same way? You know, Paul said about Timothy that, that there was no other man that was like-minded in the gospel. And yet there was Titus, there was Philemon, there was all kinds of men that he mentioned, but he said there was only one thus far at that time that was like-minded. And that word means of the same soul. So they caught the same soul, which is the mind. You see, anybody can take a book or a tape and sit down and sort through and be able to study doctrines and pull this and that. But that's not just what the message is. But the prophet said the bride not only has the word, but she has the mind of Christ to know what he wants done with the word. Can't you see, even some of the message people, it's apparent they don't know what he wants done with the word. They think he wants them to build a kingdom and call everybody over here and everybody listen to our tapes. And if you don't follow us, you ain't going. That ain't the mind of the spirit of God. Well, come on now. The prophet of God, when they cut him off, what did he do? He kept drawing bigger circles. Well, hallelujah, but what do we do? Bless God, we cut them off. They're serpent seed. Now, how do you know that for sure? What if you wind up calling one of God's brides serpent seed? I'm afraid you're gonna be in hot water for him. Preach, Brother Donnie. Oh my. Fallen angels come in and took over. Watch this in Jude verse 10. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beast. My, what a thing for a preacher to say. In those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam, which was money, for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah, and Korah's great infatuation was that God hadn't just spoke by the prophet, that they had a right to it too, and the prophet of God could be questioned. <laughs> so you see, Cain was a type of the natural man who believes in God. He is a religious man, because every devil in hell is religious. There are no agnostic demons. There are no infidel demons. Only dumb humans are that. Devils know better. They believe in God. Well, praise the Lord. Well, well, you say you shouldn't say that. Well, I reckon I should. Psalms 14, one said, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. So you know what you are if that's what you believe. 
So what, what Cain wanted to do was worship God by his own understanding of who and what God was. So by his own mind, he processed, now look, he's a mighty God, he's a Jehovah Vashim, and he's a mighty one, and surely he wouldn't want any bloody mess going up there. Look at my little ignoramus holiness brother over there, and he's pulling that little lamb up there. My goodness, who in the world ever heard of all that shouting and screaming and speaking in tongues and carrying on in church? I never seen such in my life. So he goes out there and get his beautiful cantaloupes and his watermelons and his pickles and his cucumbers and his meters and everything. And boy, he makes this beautiful altar and he brings some daffodils and chrysanthemums and everything. And he makes it so pretty. Has the flowers all lined up and the vegetables all lined up in rows. That was such a colorful display. Over at the same time, his brother's got that rock and he's hacking on that lamb's neck and that little lamb blatant and blatant speaking in tongues as he's dying. That hot blood gushing out all over Abel's hand and him standing there shaking and quivering because he knew, hallelujah, that he was born to die as far as a natural man, but God had accepted this innocent lamb's life and his brother stood over there and he got so mad. Where? In church. Oh my, they are haters of their brothers and murderers. Cain despised he despised and envied the acceptance of Abel's gift. And we know the word tells us when Abel offered his gift, oh, what is that Hebrew word? T-H-O-U-R-S-H-I-N, something like that. And it was that the pillar of fire come down and went and caught his offering on fire and lifted it right up to the heavens, consumed. This is how Cain knew what was right. You know how these people out here are gonna be condemned? Because they've seen some of you that was former drunks and liars and whoremongers and whatever you were, and they've seen the pillar of fire come down and consume that old nature of yours and make you a new creation. They, they don't know, they, don't, they can't understand all the doctrines and this and that, they'll say that one thing, boy, I know one thing, that old boy's a different boy. Your own life will testify against them. Oh, Jesus. But right in this horrible, horrible time, in this pre-Andaluvian time, Genesis 6, 8, and Noah, the word Noah means comfort. And Noah found grace. This is the first time this wonderful word is used in the Bible. What a time to use the word grace. Well, when you look at it, it makes perfect sense. It was the worst time the world had ever known. Is that right? Sin had grown, humanity has grown. It was a time for the dispensation of grace to be administered. And notice Noah found grace. And it wasn't by anything that he did. God chose him to be a recipient of grace. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. You see, this man and his family were the only exception among millions. 
I wonder how many there will be when the rapture goes. Oh, he said there'll be millions times millions. You need to recalculate. You're using Laodicea's rapture calculator. Prophet of God said, I doubt there'd be a dozen in this generation. But remember, he also said a generation ends every day. A generation of humanity ended yesterday. Another one ended today. Another one will end tomorrow. So if you took 12 out of each one of them, you're still going to wind up with a lot of people. But don't get in your mind. Everybody that goes to church and everybody that professes Christianity is going in the rapture. No, only those that have accepted the betrothal, only those that have entered into this great mitvah, this mitvah, the bridal bath, by which they go in in the mitvah and they are separated. They come to this place of separation and they are loosed or they are washed from their uncleansiness. Oh my. And they enter into that state of sanctification. And the bridegroom says to the bride, will you be sanctified unto me according to the law of God and of Moses? And the bride under the hoopah answers and says, yes, I will. I will be sanctified to you. What does that mean? She is separate. He will not know her. They will not kiss. They will not have any type of relationship at all until the veil is lifted off of her face. Is that right? But yet she is to be sanctified for that entire year. She's not to flirt. She's not to do anything in any way to project herself to another man as if though she is eligible because as far as the law is concerned and God is concerned, she is already betrothed. Well, praise the Lord. You see, Noah was guilty of the common corruption of the human nature. Now listen to me. Noah could not enter into the ark just by being a good man. Noah needed intervention. And that intervention was grace. Praise God. So the Bible gives us this picture that men in mind, in body, in spirit, in soul, they were fierce, they were mean, they were corrupt, they were vile, they were godless, yet religious. And they all hated the godly. They jeered at Noah, they laughed at Noah. Josephus tells us that this pre-Andalusian world was in war constantly. Constant turmoil among the tribes. And they were fussing and arguing and fighting like Iran and Korea and the United States. And Look, friends, this world is getting ready for the greatest destruction it has ever known. I'm so glad we got a ticket out of here. The only thing right now that's holding North Korea back, they hate us with everything in them. Iran hates us with everything in them. I saw the other day just a video of an underground bunker type of thing and they had rows after row after row after row. Some of them stacked four high, some of them stacked two high of those missiles, one right on top of the other. And you know the first place that they're gonna go for, Israel. And I read where one of Israel's great generals just a week before last said that the next time the war breaks out, Israel will be under a bombardment of 2,000 missiles per day. 
2,000 missiles per day. And I wonder if that happens with our present government and their attitude toward Israel. I wonder where we'll be caught standing. Well, come on, you might as well say amen. Islam has already invaded. We've got Islamic people in the Congress. We've got them in the White House. Well, don't sit there and look at me goo-goo-eyed. You know it's the truth. They don't believe what we believe. They do not stand on the principles we stand for. There ain't no way in the world that, that such should even be allowed. It is contrary. A true Muslim, if they believe the Koran, they believe they're supposed to kill you. That's the ones who really believe what he taught. If they really believe, don't sit there and look at me. I know what I'm talking about. I've got a Koran and I've read it. And if they believe what he said, they believe that even Allah lies and he teaches his children to lie and be deceitful so they believe it's alright to deceive you and move close to you and be a neighbor so they can kill you and yet our poor ignorant American people vote them in as representatives God have mercy on them poor veterans I've had to visit the VA many, many, many times in my tenure here as being your pastor, almost 34 years now. See, many of them poor men, missing limbs, missing eyes. Many of them got both limbs and both eyes, but they're gone up here. And what they went through and the trauma they're still dealing with so that we could have freedom. And this is what we have in our government. The very thing that many of them gave their lives for and paid the ultimate sacrifice. And many of our members of our own White House don't even honor our people in service. Come on, children. Oh, Brother Donnie, I didn't know you were so patriotic. I am very patriotic. I thank God for every man, every woman that gave their life, bore the scars, whether they fought in Korea, Vietnam, Germany, mine, France, and Normandy, wherever it was. Amen. I think we ought to thank God for what they've done. And what's our government do? Slap it right back in their face. Don't you see, friends, our nation is destroyed. Why? It's worm-eaten from within. How could the conquest of Rome, no doubt the different ones in the day, the kings and all thought, how can we ever annihilate such a people? How can we destroy such a people? Their army moved as one man. Those men that would have those shields and they called on the door and they would be from five to six feet tall and those men would move as one man. And if you didn't, they beat you, they whipped you. My, you think I'm preaching hard on you tonight? I'm like a boy scout compared to the discipline those Roman soldiers got. They fought as one. They moved as one. They fought as one. They were undefeatable. So what they do? They destroyed themselves from within by pleasure, by all types of sin. Homosexuality running rampant all through the senators and so on and wrong. Don't sit there and look at me and be quiet. It's nothing but the truth. And what happened? They rotted from right within. Oh, America, America, how off God would have gathered you together. But now your house is left unto you desolate and the bombs are waiting there with your name wrote on it. But before God allows him to destroy you, he will take his bride out of this place into the marriage supper of the Lamb. Lord God,
Here were old people, but they were all acting young. I don't know if you know this or not. This is part of the precursor of the end time, of the Andalusian world. The people that were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old that should have been acting like old people, but instead they were acting like young people and behaving and sinning. Open your eyes and look around. Look at Walmart, look at Lowe's, and you got people, my goodness, you think, how in the world they even get out of the bed? They're so old. And they'll have their hair fixed up like a young one, or they'll be an old man. I seen a man come out the other day. It was so cold, it would freeze the hoppers off of a grasshopper. And that feller come out, his legs about that big around, and them short britches on, and he was just a walking. I thought, buddy, you need any help of them things. <laughs> what is it? Trying to act like young people. Why, friends, the minds of the people are gone. Don't you get tickled. So you imagine all this violence, all this hatred. But up on the mountain, every day and every night, they'd be singing them songs. Songs of victory, crowns of glory. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. You imagine this just a bunch of horror. I hate them. I hate them. The only reason, friends, I'm not already dead is because God wouldn't allow it. Some of the message people just a few years ago was trying to figure out a way that they could hire an assassin to take me out without being traced back to him. That's the type of people we're dealing with, not just out yonder, but some around the message. <laughs> I just stick my tongue out of the devil and nah, 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 nah. He can't take us so God's done with us. You imagine they threatened old Noah. He'd go into town to get some nails and they said, get out of here, you holy roller. We don't need you. We're going to come up and burn you down. He said, you ain't burning us down. You burn her down, I'll build another. How in the world are you ever going to get that boat off that mountain? I ain't. God's going to bring the water to me. Glory to God. God never told Noah to build a trailer. Amen. But God brought the water to Noah. Notice in verse 10, And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Shem. Of course, the Semites. Semites. This is what Abraham and them was called before they was... Israelites, Semites, and then the Hamites and the Japhethites. They're the ones that went up to <clears throat> Gog and Magog and Gentiles, basically. Shemites were the Jews. Notice then verse 11. The earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled so it wasn't just a little uprise here and a little uprise, but the whole earth was filled with violence. Doing injury to people and property. So according to history, they just went around burning people's houses 
Hello? As it was, so is it again. With oppression and cruelty and passing tyrannical laws that would make it harder on the elect. You know, Brother Brandon made mention of something years and years ago, and I've only found it one time in the message. And I've often wondered, you know, it just come out and he said it, and you'd say, wow. And he called it the women in the last days stripping off their clothes and so on. And he said they were protected by Sodom law. There wasn't any Sodom laws. As a matter of fact, sodomy was against the law. You imagine there was no laws. But yet in the day we're living, who are the ones that are praised? The ones that strip off their clothes. And they're nothing but bait to lead men to hell. Well, praise the Lord. Notice in verse 12, and God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the Lord, children. Imagine just a handful. Eight people. And the Bible calls Noah the eighth person. The eighth person. Out of all the millions and millions, eight people. And one of them wasn't right. Don't you want to be right? And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled. Notice, not smoking, TV, movies, but violence. But look at so much of video games, and I know nothing about video games. I've never even played one. I know nothing about it, just from what I hear. But from what I hear, the video games have to be raided because of the violence and the nudity. Don't you understand that television programs and much of what kids are feeding into their minds, where are they getting all this killing and shooting off of the video games and off of movies? Violence breeds violence. It's the spirit of the last days to kill. Hey, you know it's the same way with you as it is. I mean, no doubt you go up to a traffic light, you're in a hurry, a person's sitting there on their phone, they're Googling, they're doing whatever, you've got five seconds at the traffic light and it turns green and you're waiting for them to go and you think, should I blow my horn or not blow my horn? Because you may blow your horn, they may blow your nose off and your head with it. Is that true? Why? Because people are insane. They're violent from the soul. The music they listen to is violent. The video games, the TV they watch, the programs, violent, violent, violent. Getting ready for the tribulation period when all hell will literally break loose. So I'd like to ask some of you message people what it is about you that wants to get on Facebook and fight. Some of you that get treated bad and you think you want to go knock somebody's block off. Uh, and where do you get that in the scripture? Yeah. 
Don't you understand what the spirit of the last day said? Violence, violence, fighting. And if we're not careful, we'll get under the same thing. But remember, God's calling you under another anointing, an anointing of a dove to forgive, to be kind. Even if they've done me wrong, especially when they've done you wrong. You see, the love of God and the grace of God works this way. It's given to us when we least deserve it. That's when you really need to reach out to those who've trespassed against you. It's when they least deserve it. Because that's when God gave it to you. That's when God gave it to me. If he's waiting on me to deserve it, I still wouldn't have none tonight. Well, can you imagine how startling it must have been when God said this to Noah? Noah, all flesh is going to die. It's the end. Can you imagine this simple, humble guy? And he's saying, what? Everything? Everything. Everybody, but there's some good people out. All them good people, Noah? If them good people don't get in your boat, they will perish like the damnable people. Brother John, it must have been so amazing when God gave him the blueprint of this boat and he went to count in the bedrooms. Me and my wife, Shem and his wife, Ham and his wife, Japheth and his wife. Why am I even preaching then? Why am I even preaching? There's no more room for nobody else. There's got to be a voice against them. There was no outward indication. The sun come up every day, just as beautiful. No clouds. Now remember, up to this time, the earth was irrigated by channels or canals in the earth. So it was like this irrigation that come upon the earth. You see, all the water in the flood did not come from up here. But the Bible says the fountains of the deep broke through. And while the rain's coming down, the fountains of the deep is coming up. That's where these big water tables even are today in the heart of the earth. You know, under the Sahara and many of the great deserts, some of the largest, vast quantities of water on the earth are laying right beneath those deserts. Where'd they come from? Held in storage from the flood. So it come this way and it come this way. Eight people saved. Let's stand. That ain't really a sermon that's too hand-clappy, is it? It's sad. It's fearful. It's scary for those who aren't ready. But look, friend, every day that a new prophecy is fulfilled, you're one prophecy closer to home. We're one day closer today to seeing our saints, our loved ones, that's gone on before us in the resurrection. Does it make us rejoice in the sense that we're happy that people are going crazy? No, no. 
We're Americans. I mean, you know, we, we love our nation. Brother Bam did. He taught us the same thing. Jeremiah, remember, he said outside the city, five miles outside the city where the Lamentations was written, grieving and writing this Lamentation of Jeremiah because he saw the people going out fulfilling exactly what he said. He was not happy. He was grievous. He was sad. He was brokenhearted. And that's the way we feel in our hearts. We look around and see the condition of the earth. But then the other part of us is hasten the day, Lord God. And Brother Darrell sent back in the office for church, and I just said, Brother Darrell, we're ready for the coming of the Lord. He said, I told the Lord that today. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, take us out of this place. But Brother Donnie, I've got loved ones. I understand. I do too. But I've come to realize if you tarry 10 years or 100, some of them won't give their heart to God. Just like they didn't in this day. Some of them hang right around the fringes. There were some people, so Josephus says, that lived within running distance of the mountain. And they thought, remember Brother Ram Capture when he preached about the trial. They thought, what if that old man is right? And you know, some of them actually got to thinking that he might be right. And the prophet said they started building ships, their own boats. So here Noah started out, and then these impersonating churches, I, I, I mean boats, started raising up. So he said, hey, you come over here to our boat. We don't preach that same stuff that guy up on the hill does. That's exactly right. You'd be up on the hill with him. He was the original church. Praise the Lord. So they preached this compromising church and this and over here. Hey, hey, we're over here. And said, you know, I'm, I'm going to move over just in case. What if that guy was to be right? I mean, he seemed really far out to me, but he sure seems sincere. He sure seems sincere. I'll tell you what, I'm going to move over at this boat. That guy's not near as crazy. Well, that guy, he, I've never seen a man like him in my life. I went and heard him about 40 years ago. He got up there. He didn't have no scripture, take no text at up. You know what he preached? It's going to rain. I went back to the next service. You know what he preached? It's going to rain. I missed 85 years. 85 years, didn't go back to church. I decided I'm going to go back to hear that old man. You hear what he's got to say. You know what he preached? It's going to rain. It wasn't time to preach the seals. It wasn't time to preach the church ages. It was time to preach it's going to rain. I hope it don't get tired of hearing me and these other brothers preach. It's time to get ready for the rapture. It's time to get full of the Holy Ghost. That's the hour we're living. Praise God. Look, friends, everybody's going to get under his spirit. Getting in the spirit. Let's not, let's not be the cold and different type of message people that, oh, well, we're in the message. You have the Holy Ghost? Oh, I believe the message. You got the token? Sure, I have a tape. Where did the prophet of God, you show me and I'll preach it, ever preach that a tape was a token? You blaspheme. The blood of Jesus Christ shed breaking forth, giving the substance out of that is the token for the bride. Oh my, get in children, get in. Let every fiber be filled and charged with the Holy Ghost. Lay aside your sins, your shortcomings. He's coming, he's coming. Not only is he coming, but wrath is coming. Judgment is coming. Lord God, 
God is Jesus. Let's pray. Blessed God. It must have been a feeling similar to this that we're feeling tonight. It produces an element of fear. We sense an element of anxiety and stress with this type of preaching. It must have been that way when Noah kept preaching that the rain was coming. Finally entered into the ark, you called him in and you shut the door. They must have been so nervous. Must have been the similar feeling. Jeremiah told the king, you've waited too long. Now your enemy is at the gate. Must have been a similar feeling. Oh, Lord God, when Jerusalem was compassed about with armies, they thought they would be saved because they were the holy people, the chosen people, they said. They were the chosen people by name only. The chosen ones heard you. But you looked there on the mount as I stood there a couple of years ago and my mind went back to you as you sat there on the Mount of Olives and you wept and you cried. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft I would have gathered you. As I remembered that, I remember what you spoke to my heart many years ago. America the beautiful. America the damned. America the beautiful. America the cursed. You allowed revival to break on our western coast in 1906 and go around the world. You allowed your prophet to come out of this nation and bring forth and start a revival. You've allowed many, many believers in this nation to support tapes, books, ministries, churches, all kinds of things from the wealth of the Americans. Now look at her. Getting deeper and deeper in debt, printing more and more money. And her end is right before us. Come, Lord Jesus. But we know the prophet told us that when Titus besieged the city, there was not one saint of God that was left in them city walls. Not one of their elect children was ever eaten by their parents. None of them elect ever eat the grass off the ground or the bark off the tree because they heard the call, leave, leave. Lord, we look at the denominational churches as being that cursed city. They are the Babylon. That great third angel whose message blasted forth. Glory to God. And the prophet said, we are now hearing the message of that third angel. Come out of her, my people. Glory to God. We've heard that call out of Babylon. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, Lord, that we've been called out, help us. Now that we've grown, our hair's grown out as we know, and we've become mature. Now, Satan will let us grow and get bigger and bigger for a while. 
And then he'll try to do us the same way he done the others. But help us, Jesus, to stay on our mountain. Help us to stay on our standards, our lives, our humility, our love. Granted, I pray, Father. How many would say with me tonight, visible and invisible, you're in your home, your car, your office, wherever you are, just take a moment. Would you raise your hand with me tonight and say, Lord, let me stay in this sacred place. Help me that I won't mix darkness with light. Help me that I won't mix sin with righteousness because I lose my fellowship. I lose my walk the day I do it. You see, friends, there's a difference in losing your salvation and losing your walk. Oh, many people get sin in their life and they don't lose their salvation, but they can no longer have that fellowship with God. But we want to keep our fellowship with God. And this is the way we keep it, by being sanctified, set apart. Amen. Not just looking right on the outside. God bless you, sisters. You bear the most of the reproach for it. But God bless you. You'll have your reward one day. But don't, don't wear your, your long hair and your dresses and, and be ashamed of it. God's blessed you with this separation. But us brothers must also be separated. The whole bride of Christ. Oh, Jesus. Can we just raise our hands? Oh, Jesus, we love you, Lord. Thank you for the privilege of separation, Father. Thank you for the privilege. Lord, help us never, help our young people to never look at separation as being shameful. Help us, Lord, never to look at it as as being reproachful. But Lord, it is such an honor to be separated. It is an honor, Lord God, to be separated. It's the very principle by which you called our father Abraham. You called him on the basis of separation. When you told him to separate, leave his kindred, leave his father's house, leave everything. The very basis of his journey was separation. Help us, Lord God, not to be ashamed. Lord, we don't want more and more and more and more of the world. Well, we want less and less and less. We're in it, but we're not of it. Lord, we have to use it. That's right. But God, help us not to be contaminated as we walk in our wedding garment. As they sang earlier, Lord, we looked in your face and seen what we wanted to be. And you told us that we were beautiful. We didn't think we were. We thought we were without hope. Oh, but the wedding day, praise be to God. We heard your voice and you called us, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. Can we just sing a little something here and just worship him together just a little bit? Can we before we go? Oh, don't you count it an honor to be in the courts of the great king tonight? To be able to worship him, oh my. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you tonight, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The name has been restored. The word has been restored. The apostolic faith has been restored. Amen. We're a restored people, saints. Praise be to God. We worship you tonight, Father God. 
We bless your name. You are worthy, Lord Jesus. Thou alone art worthy, O God. Thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, Father. We rejoice in your presence tonight, O Lord. Hallelujah. We lift up our holy hands was that wrath and doubting, and we worship you now, God. We magnify your holy name tonight, Lord Jesus. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Father. If there's any sick among us, let the angel of the Lord pass among them, Father. If there's any, Lord God, that's sick at home that needs strength, may you visit them, Father God. If there's any here tonight without the Holy Ghost, may the baptism of the Holy Ghost fall afresh among us, Lord. Any that need encouragement tonight, Father God. We love you, Lord Jesus. Help me, Lord. Lord, while you're passing on others, don't pass me by tonight, Lord. I need your strength. I need your courage. I need your anointing, oh God, to help me. Lord, the journey as we go on, it gets more difficult, but Father, we believe that you'll provide everything the bride has need of, Lord. We worship you tonight, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Oh, that's it, saints. Let's just praise him tonight. He's worthy. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord God. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We bless your holy name, Father. You're worthy, oh God. You're worthy, oh God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless your name tonight, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We can come tonight with boldness, amen, because we believe what you've said about us, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord God. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God. You're worthy, O Lord. You're worthy, O Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. We bless your holy name tonight, God. Lord, if there's one that's lost, may the hand of grace reach down to them tonight, Lord, I pray. Father God, if there's one that's so discouraged, they feel like they can't make another step, may the grace of God come tonight, Lord, and boost them, I pray, in your presence. Grant it, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's just sing a little bit, saints. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord God. Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're holy, holy, Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, oh, oh. 
What a mighty God Jesus is. Same key. Oh, glory to God. What a mighty God Jesus is. Aren't you glad you can say that tonight instead of saying he's the second person? Oh, what a mighty God my Jesus is. Oh, glory to God. Do you hear that devil's in hell? Not no second person, but the mighty God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the Lord God. Oh, his people bow before him. What a
Oh, bless your name, Lord. Bless your name, Lord Jesus. We worship you, mighty God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every
God, that you would show these things to us, Lord, that we would be the people of the hill, that we would believe the simplicity and the humbleness of your word. Oh, God, thank you seems so inadequate, Lord, but it's the only word I would, that I know. for sending Elijah to find us, Lord. Thank you for this precious message. Thank you for the precious words, Lord. Oh, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, tonight that you would come among us, Lord, and manifest yourself. Oh, God, draw us closer to you, Lord. Wrap your wings around us, Father. As John laid his head upon your bosom, Lord. John, the type of the bride, that's our position, Lord. Let us lay our heads upon your bosom, Lord. To feel you when you breathe. Hear your heartbeat. Oh God. 
we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for saving us. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the truth. Oh, Lamb of God, how we love you, Lord Jesus. How it's so clear, Lord. How you've made it so clear. The pattern of your word, Lord. Fathers, we come to the end of this service. May you be with my brothers and my sisters, Lord, as they make their way home. May you visit them, Lord, as they lay up on their beds. May your anointing come upon them wave after wave to revive them and renew them and strengthen them and encourage them, Lord, to draw the sword for one more battle. And Lord, we thank you, dear God. We thank you so much, Lord Jesus. We just commit these things into your hands tonight, Lord. Thank you for our healing. Thank you for our deliverance. Thank you, dear God, for the cup of fellowship. It's the only thing you ever asked the Father for was our fellowship. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for Brother Donnie, Lord for anointing with the boldness to speak the truth, dear God. May you strengthen him, Lord, and comfort him tonight, God. May your anointing visit him again, Lord, we pray. Thank you for a God-called pastor, Lord. Thank you, dear God, for the opportunity to serve you with these precious saints. We just commit these things into your hands now for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't it wonderful to be a Christian? May you go in the fear of the Lord tonight. If you want to stay and worship, you're more than welcome to. Do you enjoy the Word of God tonight? Amen. Very listening at some Jesus. Just sing this as we go. Amen. Jesus, draw me close.